Ladies and gentlemen, non-binary individuals, Lee, Lifeson, and Pert, the audio performance you are about to enjoy discusses casinos and gambling. We do not recommend gambling with money you cannot afford to lose or that is needed to pay bills. If you have a problem gambling, contact your problem gambling hotline. If you do not know how to contact your problem gambling hotline, send an email to help at casinocombat.com. We will find that number for you and provide it to you. Our host's past performances are not indicative of anyone's future results, including his own. All materials presented here are based on actual facts. Names and dates are changed to protect the innocent and the guilty. Some events unrelated to outcomes may be omitted in the interest of brevity and clarity. It's TRG, the Ramblin' Gambler, all the world's indeed a stage, and we are merely players, performers, and portrayers, each another's audience, as we welcome each other to episode 118 of our Casino Combat Podcast. You know, we have not done this in a while. Let's consult the big book of numerology as we get started here and see what episode 118 is supposed to be about. What is is the number 118. Well, the big book of numerology informs me that the number 118 energy feels an urge to explore new ideas, new physical locations, and new ways of doing things. Okay, fair, fair. Uh, explore new ideas. Yeah, kind of always do that. And new ways of doing things. Yes, exactly. And new physical locations. Okay, I actually do have somewhere in the mix of this some new locations, including a new hotel and a new casino to tell you some things about. I guess the numerology works once again for this episode. It is amazing how often that always seems to happen. Before we get to the battle plan, full transparency, full disclosure, I just pulled the outline for the episode off the printer, something I've been working on for a while, putting together what I wanted to say to you today as we do episode 118, and my first reaction was, boy, uh, that's a stack. We, we got some stuff to go through here, some really good stuff. I got a lot of things to share with you, but if you're looking for brevity, if you're going on a short drive and you're listening to me in your vehicle, you may need a couple trips to get through this, and hopefully that's a good thing. Hopefully plenty of content here for you to enjoy. So here's the battle plan. We received a question via email, and I'm going to respond to that in a questions my sons ask segment to start things out. Then we're going to have a moment of casino wisdom and do a beginner's level look at one of the most important casino wisdoms. And don't let that beginner tag put you off. Even for experienced players, I think there will be a unique way of seeing and understanding something that I use as a tool, a very fundamental tool, in my opinion, for casino success. A way of seeing things a bit differently, a way of exploring new ideas and doing new things. There we go, that 118 energy is in place. And this is really a segment that's the start of a series of segments that's part of a bigger idea I want to share with you over this and, and some future episodes. So I'm going to follow that up today 
with another part of this. That's a way to say that. I'm going to do a core concept segment and really dig into table exit strategies. And we will see in following episodes how these two different segments are going to come together and be a bigger idea. In fact, maybe it'll have to be a Moments of Moment of Concepts episode segment next week. Uh, we'll have to see how that goes. I have several variations I want to show you on the table exit strategy side. Some different things I use and hopefully illustrate how you can implement these ideas in your own game. After that, I'm going to do a travel segment and talk about our recent trip to Atlantic City from a comp and living a casino lifestyle point of view. It's about the money. It's always about the money. But let's not lose sight of the fact that the money comes in very different ways at very different times. The money can come from paper bills counted out at the cage. But the money can also come in the form of stuff that you can put to use in your life. The money can come in the form of free entertainment at a show. The money can come from a free comped meal or meals as part of a trip. It can come from free rooms. Money can come in a variety of ways. And yes, cash rules everything around me, but it doesn't always have to be cash to be cash, if you see what I'm saying. After that, we are going to finish up in the Casino Combat Virtual VIP Lounge and review our results for the month of July 2023. Yes, I'm doing the time warp again. What's the point of having a ring that lets me change names and dates to protect the innocent and the guilty if I don't use it once in a while to play with time just a little bit? So, bear with me. We are going to cover a month of results in the Virtual VIP Lounge to wrap things up. And, of course, after that, the most important part of the podcast, the Casino Combat theme song. There you go. There's the battle plan. Before I start executing that battle plan with excellence, I do have a couple of quick items from the Casino Combat Galaxy for you. Things the squad has been up to. Things going on from your fellow squad members. First up, a quick note from Excelsior Brigade Maven AP that I wanted to share. He wrote, another good weekend of gambling. I'm up 6.8 days pay. I'm doing good trying to stay as positive and disciplined as possible. On Saturday, I played for two hours and had a good run. But on Sunday, I played for 20 to 25 minutes, was up a bit more than two days pay, and I still wanted to play. But I took a break and I said myself to myself, do you want the win more than the action? I want the win. And I started my one hour and 30 minute drive home. It's hard not to want to keep gambling when you just drove an hour and 30 minutes, gambled for 20 to 25 minutes, and now you have a drive home again. But I'm trying to be as disciplined as possible because I know the negative tier 3 exit can happen anytime, and I don't want to feel unbeatable like I did last time. All in all, a good weekend of gambling and trying to stay humble, knowing I will lose at some point. It's hard not to be a little gefelt. Uh, this is just this is just great 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 stuff. This is great evolution in one of our squad mates. Just my opinion, but what we are seeing here is in fact the evolution of a player to a professional taking a break, employing a casino wisdom. Casino wisdom number thirty-three. How many times do I say stop, take a break, then make your plans? Casino wisdom number thirty-three is right here. You have to want the win more than you want the action. And it is hard. It is hard. 
That's why there's a casino wisdom to help us with that. And that's why it's so wonderful. I am so grateful to hear that a casino wisdom did what it's supposed to do in that moment, in that particular point in time. Our squad mate, Maven AP, our Excelsior Brigade member, stepped away, stopped, and remembered the casino wisdom, and then made a great choice based on that. And I certainly understand the feeling of, I drove and I want to play. That's why I came. Or is it? Did you come for the money? In this case, Maven AP was there for the money. But let's take a quick minute and look at that math that I, I want to play. That's why I came and I drove all that distance. A 90-minute drive to the casino. A 90-minute drive back. Call it 30 minutes total to enter the building, find a table, play, cash out, and walk back to the car. I clock that in at about 3 hours and 30 minutes. 3 hours and 30 minutes to win more than 2 days pay. Less than half a day's effort to win two days money. That's amazing. That's efficient. It doesn't happen that way very often, but imagine if it did. Every other day, you spend less than four hours, you go to a job, you come back, and you've earned the money you need to earn to spend your life for the next two days. And the rest of your time is yours. To me, that's wonderful. What a great way to live. Imagine if that was repeatable that efficiently. And it's repeatable. It's just not always repeatable in that amount of time. Imagine a conversation with a friend that goes something like this. Hey, what'd you do yesterday? Oh, I went to the casino in the morning and then watched some Netflix when I got home. Caught up with some reading I wanted to do. What are you going to do today? Anything I want. Anything I want. The money's taken care of. It's a wonderful story in so many ways. It's a wonderful evolution in so many ways. It's a wonderful application and a gratifying application. Thank you so much, Maven AP, but a wonderful application of what I've been talking about here. Thank you for showing me that this has value. Thank you for letting me share that value with everybody else. Maven AP, keep up the good work. No pun intended. The other item today was brought to my attention by Atlantic City Empress, the ace of casino combat, over lunch with Dr. ECE and Mrs. TRG in the VIP lounge at Ocean Casino in Atlantic City. She felt strongly that as we enter the third year of the podcast, with East Coast Emissary earning a PhD, an Inner Circle member VCPD being named Defender of the Commonwealth. Commonwealth, of course, is spelled with a K. That's obvious. Should be very obvious. Given all of that, ACE felt Mrs. TRG needed a call sign upgrade. Something beyond just Mrs. Me, basically. ACE also shared that in her phone, she has the contact information for Mrs. TRG with the notation Goddess of Casino Combat. So here's how I see this. Here's how I'm parsing this out. If a pop culture princess gets to hand out homework, if VCPD very rightfully gets to ask for call signs to be assigned to other squad mates, then the Atlantic City Empress certainly gets to do creative changes or request creative changes when she wishes. That just seems completely clear to me. So, by official proclamation, 
as instructed by the Ace of Casino Combat. Now and henceforth, Mrs. TRG shall be known as Mrs. TRG, the radiant goddess, see what I did there, of Casino Combat. She who existed along with Gabriel, the angel messenger of Casino Combat, before the start of time. I hope that's satisfactory. I like that. I think it works. Hopefully you all do too. Thank you, ACE, for correcting my omission. I am grateful and I appreciate the observation. Okay, let's get started with the battle plan. Questions my sons ask is up next. What? 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 My sons ask questions about gambling and listeners ask questions about gambling. In fact, I recently got an email with a question in it, I thought I'd share my response with all of you. One of our squad mates wrote to say, I've been watching the TRG4 and TRG2 YouTube demonstrations. They are great. I wondered what triggered you to give up card counting. These strategies are a radical departure from card counting. I was a card counter until the casinos went to six and eight decks and mostly shuffle machines. I enjoy trying to influence the dice with the chopper toss, but I will try the don't side with TRG1 and TRG2 this weekend. When Gabriel tried craps, what was his betting strategy? Thanks for all the information and casino stories. Dice Shark. <laughs> I love Dice Shark. What a great call sign. That's that's wonderful. I like Dice Shark a lot. And I, I feel like in some ways I've, I've answered this question a few times. But this also shows how wide uh, <laughs> TRG Enterprises, as Nakatomi Tony recently called it, it shows how wide TRG Enterprises has grown. There are people that have seen uh, material on YouTube, that have seen content on YouTube, that have maybe not listened to all the various episodes that we've done, that maybe have not heard the answer to this question. And then there's also the possibility that some of you are new and wondering this. And it's also true that this information has kind of been spread out across various episodes in various stories. So a, a great opportunity here to respond to Dice Shark's question and, and kind of bring this all together. And, and I'll get to the to Gabriel piece in a minute, but let's start with what caused me to give up card counting. Because yes, these strategies are a radical departure from card counting. The very idea that uh, a game, a wager, uh, a close coin toss wager can be beaten simply with money management, discipline, bankroll, all the things we talk about here is a radical idea, an idea that a lot of people reject. And so let's talk about that. What was the trigger? Honestly, a combination of the school of hard knocks and practical reality led me away from card counting. Being able to card count cards at blackjack in a casino is difficult but doable, at least for me. But the bankroll required to do anything more than scratch out just something more than a modest win over time is huge from my point of view. And there are lots of different thoughts on card counting bankroll calculations, but the ones I see most often that reduce your risk of ruin to a single digit percentage end up around $10,000 per $5 of unit size. So if you have $5 tables available to you, which do exist in North America, but not nearly as often as they used to, 
I'm not sure I could get to one if I wanted to. Maybe if I really thought about it and dug in. Maybe some Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday mornings, some places within three or four hours. But there's not a lot of them. But if you got a $5 unit size available and a $10,000 bankroll that you can afford to lose and you want to go out there and scratch out small wins, that's your numbers. And I'll point out that that's a lot less than I started this podcast with. A lot, 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 lot less than $10,000 is what I started all this with way back in episodes one and two. And all you're going to do with card counting is turn a roughly $0.40 per $100 wagered house advantage into a $1 per 100 wagered player advantage. That's all card counting does. Let's be very, very clear. It works because it takes the house's very small advantage and creates a very, very small player advantage. Now, this is really, really rough. Back of the napkin, over a beer math. If you find a hole in it, please let me know, but I'm not telling you this math is perfect. Just roughing it out here. 20 hands per shoe, three shoes per hour, maybe a little more than that if you can find a way to play $5 blackjack heads up, but good luck with that. So call it three shoes per hour. If you have $10,000 to play, a $5 unit size, over time, you are hoping to earn less than $5 per hour. You're going to have some hours where you make a lot more than $5, but you are going to have a lot of hours where you lose a lot more than $5. And your expected outcome, if you are perfect at this, with a $5 unit size is $5 an hour over time. And if you can put $50,000 together as a bankroll, that becomes $25 per hour over time. Again, rough numbers. And certainly a $25 an hour job is nothing to sneeze at. That's that's not pennies. But you also have $50,000 to put at risk. And you have to travel. And you have to not get caught. And you have to not use comps or gifts or free money because that would help them catch you. So for me, this was problem one with card counting. The huge bankroll required to even squeeze out a small profit. And then you add in that you need to hide what you're doing to try to avoid being identified and banned. And as I said, therefore, you're not getting comped. For me, financially, card counting was honestly a party trick at best or a wise guy move on vacation. At the time when I was good at card counting and using it when I had the opportunity, there was gambling two places in North America. Only two, Atlantic City and Las Vegas. And those are both a good distance from where I live. So take it all in all, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't something that I was going to be able to do. For me, financially, card counting, as I said, a party trick. It wasn't going to be a moneymaker unless I really put together a bankroll and spent a lot of time away from my family. Just, it, it wasn't an option. It was not an option. So I did it when I could, and I developed other things that when I was on vacation worked just as well, that didn't involve the risk of getting caught and banned. And over time, the next reality I encountered was having a casino two hours away with blackjack tables. 
The casino that we now call Casino One went from having slots only to also having tables. And this was a big, big, big deal when it happened. This was the closest I'd ever been to a casino with blackjack available on a regular basis. I could, on a slow work day, send the kids and Mrs. TRG to school, go play, and be home the same day. And as a couple, Mrs. TRG and I, having teenage children of responsible age, could occasionally do a quick overnight trip and enjoy some of the comps and gifts that went along with being a casino regular. But the reality was, I wasn't going to hide that I was counting cards for very long if I tried to do card counting now that I had one, just one, small casino with a small staff available to me. A good card counter moves around. A good card counter avoids playing the same building and especially the same building in the same shift very often to avoid having what they're due recognized. It is a hit and run thing. It is a keep track of, I played here at this shift, I shouldn't play there again for another six weeks, and I should play a different shift so I don't get caught. Getting identified as a card counter at Casino One would have meant losing the only place that I could regularly play. And I had already invented TRG Wagering System One, the one, the only, for just roaming around Las Vegas with my wife and not worrying about counting cards to be able to just pop in and out of games when I wanted to without having to wait for the start of a shoe and those kinds of things for being able, if I had to, to play a continuous shuffle machine. I'd already worked all that out and I knew that it was good. I didn't realize how good at the time, but I knew it was good. I knew it worked in short bursts across time when I had the opportunity. It had worked just fine. And for the first time in my life, I started getting comped free rooms, free food, free concerts, all the great casino lifestyle things that I quickly learned I really enjoy and that add a profit, even if I occasionally got beat up a little bit on the cash side of things. I was on to an idea. I was on to something bigger than just card counting, a way of seeing that I didn't need to just beat the game of blackjack, as one of our casino wisdom teaches us. I only needed to beat the game of casino gambling. Fast forward and a casino opens three minutes from my house that was part of the Caesars brand. I was set and ready to go with a tested wagering system. I could play on a regular basis like it was a job. And the funny part was, since I was doing TRG1, one unit, two units, four and a half units, dealers and pit bosses at first thought the 4.5 unit bet was an anger bet, that I was a new player. These were all green dealers and very green pit bosses. They'd only worked in the industry for a few weeks, and I was an experienced player with decades of history with the game. So I wasn't angry, I was playing to my plan, but they saw me as a new player they didn't know who lost and bet bigger and lost and then made a really big bet and if he didn't win, he left. I was just playing my strategy. And over time, they got to know me a bit and they got to see me play more and more often and a couple of the dealers asked quietly, I won't tell anyone, but are you a card counter? Are you? We're wondering. I can't figure out how you win and other people lose. And I explained that no, I wasn't counting cards, that I could, that I had, 
but I didn't anymore. I didn't need to count cards to beat them. I just needed to win one out of three hands in a game where I should win half, and I needed to know when to walk away. Some dealers thought I was brilliant. Some thought I was an idiot. Honestly, as long as they don't think I'm a card counter, I don't really care what they think. In fact, in many ways, if they just thought I was an idiot, that would be better, but those days are long past. So that's how I went from card counting to money management and discipline and a wagering system and the idea that adding more money to unit size when just adding more money to wagers doesn't work would allow me to employ the principles of the martingale without running into the limits that the house imposes to make sure you can't use a martingale. And that's how we got to where we are today. As for uh, Dice Shark's last question, Gabriel, the angel messenger of casino combat, has used a wide variety of techniques on his journey from blackjack to craps. He's worked on his dice sets and his toss for hours. If he is stick left one or stick left two, he lands the dice consistently and lightly right in the corner near the wall. As far as wagers go, he is a pass line better when he throws, not when others throw unless he knows them and likes their previous results. Currently, he is playing crapless craps most of the time and buying the three and eleven and placing the nine after the point is established. He plays mostly by instinct, expanding to additional numbers, and then pressing on longer rolls. By his own admission, he often doesn't make as much on his own rolls as he should because he's focused on his mechanics more than pressing his back. Thanks for the great question, Dice Shark. If you get a chance, let me know how your trip to the dark side with TRG1 and TRG2 went. Love to hear about it. All right, what's up next? Um, yeah. Let's have a moment of casino wisdom. Wait. <laughs> okay, yeah, wait, wait, wait. I almost transgressed the unwritten law there. Let's hold up. I don't need to get fined by the Internet Authorities and the Council of Creators. Dice Shark mentioned he had watched my YouTube videos in the TRG Wagering System playlist. As a result, I am obligated, before we go forward, by the Council of Creators to first mention that on our YouTube channel there is a playlist called Boot Camp. And, of course, camp is spelled with a K. The Boot Camp playlist teaches the fundamentals of good casino gambling in a series of short lessons. You can listen to the entire thing in less than 90 minutes. We are all also active on Instagram and Twitter, uh, which I guess is now called X. And we're on Facebook. And we have a Facebook group, the Casino Combat Squad, where you can meet other listeners, hear their stories, see their results, get tips, tricks, ideas, thoughts, find out about days when there are tier credit mi mul multipliers. Easy for me to say. Okay, having said that, I now need to beg you. This is part of the rules. Please, 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 please like, share, favorite, star, subscribe. All those other honestly jokes and shtick aside, very important internet things that cause social media to give our podcast a more prominent place in search results and recommendations. It is really very important, jokes and shtick aside, as I said. You can also send me money if you wish. On anchor.fm slash casino combat, there is a support button if you would like to make an ongoing contribution to our podcast. 
You are also always welcome to send a tip to your casino coach, assuming that's me and assuming you spell coach with a K via PayPal. Just use the email address trg at casinocombat.com and feel free to send that over. It is always appreciated and we always do our best to put it back into the podcast, back into the content, back into the platform. We do our best to, to pay it forward and buy the coffee and we are very, very, very appreciative. There, I followed the code. No fines are coming my way. And the really important part, you all do all of those things for us. I'm really just asking someone who might be new. We see it. We appreciate it. We know it's happening. We wouldn't have grown the way we've grown. We wouldn't be ranked the way we were ranked if behind me and T-Rex and Billy with the great last name, there was not a squad of people holding us up. And we are truly grateful and humbled, and we appreciate everything you do in ways large or small. All right, now I'm allowed to do the moment of casino wisdom. Casino wisdoms combine knowledge or information about how a casino works or how gamblers behave in a casino with an action to be taken in certain situations. We saw that when we were talking earlier, when when Maven AP applied a casino wisdom in the right situation to decide to walk away with his profits to want to play more than he wants to win. That's what a casino wisdom is supposed to do. Now, specifically today in this segment, I wanted to talk about Casino Wisdom number 60, which is so very, very simple. Casino number Wisdom number 60 is have a win stat. So simple, yet so important. And I have a specific reason for digging into this today, but let's start with the reason for this wisdom. Let's start with the knowledge or information that I have seen and experienced that caused this wisdom to be created. I have observed that many gamblers at one point, including myself, would just have a pile of chips in front of them. Some didn't even stack their chips. They just had literally a pile, just unstacked like a big unbuilt pile of Legos in front of them. Others mix all kinds of different chips together in one big stack. In fact, sometimes to the point where I'm Interested to see if that stack will fall over and make a big mess and we will have to sort out whose chips belong to whom. There's no real rhyme or reason to how their chips are placed in front of them. Others will stack their chips by color, even going so far as to put them in stacks of the same size. So red chips in stacks of 5 or 10, which is 25 or 50. Or green chips in stacks of 4 or 8, 100 or 200. But those stacks are all placed side by side. Yes, they can quickly be totaled, but they convey no real information other than the total amount of chips the player has on the table. So Casino Wisdom number 60, have a win stack, addresses that observation, which is to say that knowledge about casinos and players, and it dictates an action. Have a stack of chips that is the chips you have won, separate from the chips you started with. By definition, the win stack can only exist if the play stack also exists. And this creates the two-stack system that I call the abacus. The primitive computer that shows me the status of my game at a glance. The play stack, 10 or less, showing me that I, if it's less than 10, I need to catch up. And the win stack 
which tells me if I've profited and how much profit I have and shows me if I'm ready to have a negative or a positive exit. Or perhaps ready isn't the right word. Perhaps should be preparing for a potential positive or negative exit. The two stacks that tell me when I have profited one or more chips and what my next bet should be. Do not underestimate yeah, maybe that's the wrong way to say it. Maybe that's the arrogant professor way to say it. For me, this is a very, very important and powerful tool. It is the equivalent of a calculator or a computer done in primitive form, doing like beads on strings or beads on sticks that tells me where I am at the game. And I said this was going to be a beginner level segment, and it is, but let me pause just a minute before I get to my main point and provide a PhD level tip. I am a doctor of stackonomics, the use of multiple stacks of chips that changes and evolves during the course of a play session. If you're programming a real computer, you have these things called variables and tables and arrays, and you can create and change those as needed. As a doctor of stackonomics, I often do the same thing. In reality, since I'm buying in bigger than one buy-in right now, I often start with a play stack of 10 chips, a win stack of zero, and an air quote next play stack sitting behind the play stack. So I have three stacks that I'm managing. And we're going to talk about exits in the next segment, but often if I have a positive exit in progress, I have the buy-in stack that I'm not going to touch, right? Not going to touch that at all. The play stack, which is now chips that I have won that I'm willing to lose before I leave, and the go-home stack, which was the win stack until it became the don't touch this, we're going home. That is an untouchable stack that I am adding to until it's time to leave the table. Also, in some situations, if I've lost enough of the play stack to need to pull in the quote, air quotes, next play stack, I have a play stack, and the win stack is now the get even stack. The name of the variable has changed. The name of the label on that little part of the felt has changed in my mind. That is the get even stack, get back to what I bought in for, and then start the process of trying to get to the win that I'm trying to do. The ability to actually have a win stack back in play at some point. I'm sorry, I did ramble a little bit there, but that's an important perspective for our more experienced squad mates. If you're just starting out, don't worry about that. Worry about play stack and win stack and the information that it's going to provide to you. What I want to focus on today was the play stack implied by the win stack and what it tells us about our chance of recovering from a loss or a series of losses. You see, that play stack and how much it's been depleted is a measurement of your chance of recovery. And that's especially true if you're playing TRG4 Win More, Keep More, as taught in episode 97. And let me mention, if you are not familiar with TRG4, as I said, listen to episode 97. It's explained there. It's explained there based off of what is taught in episodes 62 and 63. That's TRG2, Always Be Grindin'. And there is a flow chart for TRG4 available in the FRED section of the website, and that's compliments of East Coast Emissary, PhD. I recommend starting with a 10-unit buy-in. 
that's the play stack. And we have that imaginary square that we've imaginarily drawn on the felt in our mind that is where our win stack will be. Now this math is an idea, an illustration of a concept, an indication of a way to think, not the actual math. Okay, not the real math, just an idea, a way to use the chips as a tool. You can think of the chips remaining in the play stack as your percent chance of getting back to even on your play stack. Again, not the real math, it's an idea. We would need to calculate the exact chance of getting even for each type of wager that you could apply TRG for to. And that's not what I'm doing here. I'm applying the idea as a quick in-game tool. So let me illustrate. When you buy in and create your stack of 10 chips, or anytime during the game that your play stack is exactly 10 chips, your chance of having 10 chips in that stack is 100%. Each chip represents 10% in this model. When you have 10, there is a 100% chance that you have 10. If anybody comes up to you and says, hey, I'll bet you don't have 10 chips there, as long as you're sure, take the bet. You have 10 chips there. You have a 100% chance of having 10 chips there if there are 10 chips there. If you don't make a bet, there is a 100% chance that the stack will stay at 10 chips. Conversely, if you have played your play stack all the way to zero, something I do not recommend, something if you've listened for a while, you know I do not recommend. I recommend walking away with some of your buy-in just from a discipline and self-control point of view. But... If you play your play stack all the way to zero, you have a zero chance of winning your way back to 10 chips with the chips in the play stack. If there are zero there, you are not betting and you are not getting any of that money back. So with 10 chips, we have a range of outcomes from zero to 100% of getting to a point where that stack of chips is 10 chips. Now let's suppose you make the first bet of TRG4 win more, keep more, and you lose. You now have a play stack of nine chips. I'm going to say that I think of this as having a 90% chance of getting back to a play stack of 10. Again, not the actual math, just a way of thinking. The idea here is there is a very, very good possibility, having lost only one chip, that I am going to get back to even or better than even. If you're playing TRG4, there's an excellent chance that you will win the next bet and have a play stack of 10 and a one-chip profit because that second bet in TRG4 is a two-chip bet. That's what it's there for. But suppose you lose that bet. It was a two-unit wager. So now your play stack is seven chips. And I think of that as a 70% chance of getting back to even. There is no reason to panic at this point. There is no reason to think that you are not going to be successful. You have a high probability at seven in 10 of getting back to even, making a profit and adding to your win stack. The next bet is one unit, and if you win that, the next bet is two units, and your play stack is back to 10, just like that. So at minus three, at we have a high probability, we have a high percent chance that we are going to be successful. But if you lose that bet, your chance of recovery just got smaller. Let's call it 60%. You need to win more than just a couple of hands to get back to a play stack of 10 and a profit. Lose another, and you now see your chances of getting back to 10 units as 
lose another. You have four chips in your play stack. This is why I use a negative exit point to determine when it's time to leave the table. I think of my chance of recovery from this point as 40%. The real number is something else, but what matters is recovery gets hard from here. A lot of things need to go your way. If I'm playing TRG2, always be grinding, and I don't have much in the way of a win stack, I'm going to make that one more bet to reach a play stack of three and hope things go my way. And if they don't, I'm done. If I'm playing TRG4, win more, keep more, and don't have much of a win stack, I'll make the next two bets and try to recover, but I know it's going to be tough. I know it's going to be difficult. And I'm not suggesting any of this is brilliant. It isn't. At its root, it's pretty obvious. It is. The more you lose, the tougher it is to recover. The more you lose, the tougher it is to recover. Very obvious. But in the moment, as things happen, as you work through the process, I find it helpful to look at my play stack after losing the first few hands and think, I still have a 90% chance of recovering. I just need to win two after losing two. No big deal. Happens all the time. And conversely, as things start to dwindle, as I start to get down to five, four, three, coming off, as I'm getting down to those last few chips and I'm getting ready to walk away, I know that even if I win a hand, my chances of recovery are small. It happens. Happens almost every day to me at some point. But I have a low percent chance of success at that point. And that's what my stack of play chips is telling me. That's what my play stack is telling me. The other number, number I find pivotal here, and it's going to be a key part of our next segment, the other number I find pivotal here is the number six. It is relatively easy to lose six chips from your play stack. And it is relatively easy to build a win stack of six and have a play stack of 10. It happens a lot. And if I have lost six units from my play stack and I have six units in my win stack and I'm using a positive exit number that is larger than six, that's my moment to regroup, which is to say, I look at my percent chances and I say, all right, I've lost six chips from my play stack. I've got four left. I'm only willing to lose two before I get up and walk away. If I lose two more and I have a play stack of six, then I'm going to walk away minus two. Instead, I regroup, which is to say I pull six chips from my win stack to my play stack and start over trying to reach my positive exit number. I don't try to fight the trend that recovering with only a 40% chance is likely to occur. I'd prefer personally to start over. Regardless of what the actual number would be for a specific wager, using this illustration, my chance of recovering from a 4-unit play stack to a 10-unit play stack is less than 50%. Regardless of what the actual number would be for a specific wager, I don't have a good chance of success. And this is frustrating for sure. Things have been going well. I've built up a win stack of six units, six chips. I'm close to my exit number, most likely, and bad things happen. Maybe a single hand with splits and or doubles really reduces the play stack because it doesn't go my way. If you would be at the same table with me, you might hear me sigh and say, I guess I'll start over. For me, as I said, I'd rather start over than walk away from the table with a small negative exit. 
That's just my preference. That's how I handled this. That's how I handle regrouping. When I end up at that weird tipping point of I've got six, I'm trying to get to nine. I've had a loss and a series of losses, and I'm either going to try to play from underneath and have a recovery that's unlikely, or I'm going to start over. I'm picking starting over. When Casino Wisdom number 60 teaches us to have a win stack, it's also teaching us to have a play stack. The size of the play stack is a measure of our chances of recovering to 10 units and adding one unit to the win stack and reaching our positive exit goals. Understanding what the play stack is telling us about our chance of recovery can help manage the emotions many of us feel around losing, as well as help us to decide when it is time to regroup or accept that a negative exit is likely to occur. The next item on our battle plan is a core concept segment, and we're going to look at the win stack side of things in great detail. core concepts of casino combat are the foundational ideas for being good at the game of casino gambling. I have talked through them many, many times in a tremendous amount of detail in early episodes. I've covered them in the boot camp playlist that we've talked about on YouTube. Recently, in episode 116, I reviewed and updated them to be more reflective of how we've evolved some of our verbiage since those first few episodes. If you're trying to win the game of casino gambling, if you are new by any chance, if this is the first episode and you're going, hold up, I'm understanding that you're a guy named TRG, and I'm hearing that you spell a bunch of stuff with a K, and I am going, what are the core concepts? And I don't even realize, perhaps, that concepts are spelled with a K. You need to understand these things. There is a blog post on the website, as I said, the Boot Camp Playlist, the early episodes. Go back to episode 116 if you want a, a fresher take on things. I talk through all of the core concepts. And I firmly believe, I am firmly of the opinion, that if you couldn't sit down with your cousin, your uncle, your whomever, your buddy at the bar, and basically lay out the core concepts, then you need to spend some time reviewing them. You need to internalize them, in my opinion, to have success at this. If you think you found a way to have success at this, and you're using a different set of concepts, or you have no concepts at all, then I also want to hear from you. TRG at CasinoCombat.com. Spell combat with a K. But this is the only way I know how to win, and it's the only way I know how to teach people how to win. And today I want to discuss one of the core concepts, which is win a small set amount and leave. So simple. Win a small set amount and leave. And that could be the table, or that could be the building, and that's a different topic for another day. But win a small set amount and leave. And that's filled with questions. What is a small set amount? How should the exit be done? And let's start with that small set amount. This should be decided before you enter the casino, or perhaps on a casino trip as you enter the table. And let's look at the options. Winning one is easy. Winning infinity is impossible. The closer your exit number is to one, the higher your chance of success. The closer your exit number gets to infinity, the less likely it is that you will be successful. Now, using an exit number of one unit is a viable strategy. I have tracked this for years now. 
If you have lots of places to play and are not concerned about tier credits, a one unit exit is very viable. It's especially viable if you have a very large bankroll and can set a large unit size. I think with a bankroll of $50,000 and a unit size of 1000 you would have tremendous success buying in for four or $5,000 and leaving as soon as you're ahead one unit. Buy in for five, walk when you have six, I think you'll walk with six a lot. I think if you're playing TRG4, you will walk with $1,000 a lot. If your results happen to match my results over the past year, as I said, you would make a lot of money playing that way, roaming up and down the strip in Las Vegas. You would. I have no doubt about it. I've seen the numbers. I've tracked the numbers on my own. Every single table for years. Most of us don't have a bankroll that big. And I certainly want to generate, and myself included, let's be clear about that. I do not have a bankroll that big. Nothing approaching that that I can afford to lose and not pay my bills. Just not happening. And I certainly want to generate tier credits and free tax-free imaginary money when I'm playing because that's part of how I win. I win more than just cash. I win other stuff as well. So a number bigger than one is a better answer for me. And I'm probably not going to pick two or three units for many of the same reasons. So something greater than three and less than infinity. How do we set this number? For me, it depends on the exit strategy I'm going to use. And it's exit strategies that I wanted to talk about today in detail. It's exit strategy that I use to determine the small amount I'm trying to win and then start leaving. If you have a negative exit your negative exit number is when you leave. For me, the positive exit number is when I start leaving. And the first exit strategy you can use is a zero chip exit. Now, don't confuse that with the zero exit I discussed in episode 57. The zero exit discussed in episode 57 is an exit from the casino with a zero or near zero profit for the day after a series of losing but not reaching the exit point and coming back losing but not reaching a negative exit point and coming back repeating that multiple times and going you know today's just not my day i'm just going to take a zero and leave and i'll come back tomorrow it's a good tool for realizing it's time to leave but not winning the small amount that you started out with just leaving so rather a zero chip exit is reaching your exit goal, reaching your positive exit number, and leaving the table without putting any more chips at risk. It is kind of the positive version of, I've lost seven from my play stack, I'm leaving. I've lost eight, I'm playing TRG4, win more, keep more. I've lost eight from my play stack, I'm leaving with whatever is in my win stack and whatever is in. I've reached my number, I'm done on the positive side. I wanted to win six. I've won six. Six is closer to one than infinity. I'm done. If you're gambling at a casino that you have easy access to, this can be a very viable strategy. A very viable strategy for hitting your number and walking out. And I use this strategy with TRG slot strategy, El Numero Dos, right? If you think about it, it's not chips, but it's coins. If a spin creates a profit of 10% or more, I'm done. I'm out. No more spins on that machine. No more wagers. No more money put at risk. Again, if you are new 
and you're going, wait, hold it. You've been talking about blackjack. You've been talking about bubble craft. You've been talking about all kinds of other stuff. What is TRG slot strategy El Numero does? Well, I have two slot strategies. They work together as a set. One is for free play. One is for playing with cash. It is all put together in an ebook because 28 pages is just too much to read in a podcast episode and there are numbers and charts. But if you go to CasinoCombat.com and you go to the Fred section, you will find that Casino Combat Slot Tactics is a PDF ebook that you are welcome to download and put to use. And we have been testing it for years and it is successful, particularly as part of a two-strategy system using free slot play. Works well. We report the results each and every month. So I use a zero-chip, in this case a zero-coin exit strategy, when I'm playing slot machines with real money. If I have 10% or more at the end of a spin, I'm done. I am putting no more at risk. Zero more chips are at risk. On table games, I don't like zero-chip exits as much. Wins can occur in streaks, and I'm like a lot of people. I'd like to see if I can keep winning when I'm winning. I don't want to play more than I want to win. I want to win, but if I can set aside an amount I'm happy about and see if I can make the win bigger, I'm interested in doing that. And so for that reason, especially when I'm playing bubble craps, I use a one-chip exit strategy. With this strategy... When I reach my positive exit number, I make a one unit bet, one chip at risk. If I lose it, I'm done. If I win, the next bet is 1.5 units. Then one chip and part of another chip. Perhaps if I'm playing $10, it's 15. Perhaps if I'm playing $25, it's another 10 added. I'm going up by approximately half a unit. And again, if I go up by half a unit and I lose, then I'm done. Essentially, I keep playing until I lose that one chip and whatever I've added to it as I've continued to win. If I keep winning, I keep playing. Usually, usually that's another few bets, not much more than that. Sometimes it's a lot of bets, and as I keep adding more and more to the wager and keep winning, I'm accelerating my winning. I also set my exit point accordingly. With bubble craps, at least right now, my exit point is currently making the bet that would win me the 10th unit. So, for example, I've won 9 units. I make a 1-unit bet. If I win that, I start a 1-chip exit. If I lose that, my win for the machine is 8 units, and I'm done. If I win the 10th chip, I'm starting the 1-chip exit, and I'm sure I'm leaving with at least nine units. Very simple. I'm just going to bet one more. I'm not going to risk, particularly because of the way I'm playing bubble craps, having what is a decent win, the win I'm looking for basically, turned into a negative or wiping out everything that I've won. When I'm playing blackjack, I like a version of Dr. ECE's three-chip exit as my exit strategy. And he presented it as win five units and then start a three-chip exit. Basically, once you've won five units, put two units and your original buy-in aside as you're leaving with me money. And then bet the other three chips according to TRG4, win more, keep more. Bet one chip, win. Add that to the go-home money. If you lose, 
bet two. If you win that bet, you have again one bet, one unit to add to your go home money and three units to play with, rinse, repeat. Worst case, you made two units, 20% for your effort. If you can repeatedly make 20% on your money in the stock market, you are considered a genius. Don't look down on making 20% at a gambling table and moving on. That's a good return on your money. Sit down with 100 and walk away with 120 and do that over and over again. You're going to make a nice profit over time, right? We don't need to be greedy. This is the very epitome of winning one. In this case, five is easier than winning infinity. Now, my variation of ECE's three chip exit is a little bit different. It's this. I start my exit at a 10 unit win. Seven chips plus the buy-in are my minimum leave the table amount. My small set amount and leave amount. If we go back to our stacks discussion from a few moments ago, I now have three stacks as a doctor of stackonomics. My buy-in stack, my win stack, and a three-unit play stack. If I lose the first two bets playing TRG4, win more, keep more, I'm done. I've won my small set amount. If I win one unit, I add it to the play stack. Now I have four units to play with. I have a better chance of continuing the game at this point. I can lose two hands and win two hands and keep playing. The next chip I win goes on the win stack, the money leaving with me stack. The next chip one goes on the play stack, making it five units. TRG4 plays really well with five chips. And at this point, I keep alternating wins until I have a play stack of eight chips. Be honest, that's all I ever plan to risk playing TRG4. I plan to walk when the 10-unit play stack is down to just 8 units. The extra two chips are discipline chips, or chips to make a final split or double if needed when I'm playing blackjack. I'm fully funded at this point to play and add to my go-home money until a series of really bad things happen several times in a row. Getting to 8 units in the newly built play stack also creates the option of a next step to the three-chip exit strategy. At this point, you will have taken a seven-unit win stack or go-home stack and a three-unit play stack and created a 15-unit win-slash-go-home stack and an eight-unit play stack. You can at any point decide to walk away with a nice profit. I do sometimes make and lose two or three wagers, look at the total of the win and the win stack, and decide, that's a nice win. I'm just going to turn this play stack into part of the win stack. It's time for a break. It's time for the fountain. It's time for a root beer. It's time to go look at the Buddha statue. It's time to go check in with Mrs. TRG and see if she's ready to go get some food, see a show, go to a different building, what have you. But this is also the time when you can go for a home run win. You see, eight units of your original unit size is also four units at double the unit size. TRG4 win more, keep more, plays just fine with four units, as I just mentioned. You can, at this point, double the unit size and keep playing the same way. First win goes on the win slash go home stack. Next win on the keep playing stack, etc. Again, if you get to eight units on the play stack, you can again double the unit size and have four units and keep playing. You will have added eight original units to your walk away stack with a small set amount of money. 
the three chip exit is my favorite exit strategy when I am playing blackjack or baccarat or any of the other card based 50 50 wagers. I use it to pick my number for starting my exit. A number between 5 and 12 seems to work very well for me. The key is to know before you sit down what your exit number is that's going to trigger you to start your three chip exit. And that's the key to success, is picking that number before you sit down, knowing what it is, and then just exiting. Our next segment is the travel segment. We're going to talk about a recent trip Mrs. TRG, the radiant goddess of casino combat, and I took to Atlantic City. A trip where, among other things, we met our African friend and executed a very long three-chip exit that I'm going to tell you about. In our travel segment today, I want to talk through an Atlantic City trip from the point of view of promotions, comps, and living a casino lifestyle. A casino lifestyle that is growingly including meeting up with squad mates and spending time with them in a variety of interesting ways. It, it really is, is a, an amazing and wonderful thing. And I do. I'm guilty of often getting bogged down in the mechanics of winning. When the mechanics of how you manipulate, and not in a crook sense, utilize, that's the better word, the ways in which you utilize casinos comps to enjoy yourself if you enjoy those spaces, to share those spaces with friends and family, to quite frankly take vacations we could not afford to take as often as we take them. It's a really important part of this to me. I am about more than, and I'm not saying you must be, those are completely different topics. I'm saying for me, for my wife, for our life where we are right now, we have to win to keep going. Not winning isn't an option, but that's not from a point of desperation. Winning happens at this point consistently enough that it is equally important to us to be able to just say, oh, some friends are going to Las Vegas, we'll go too, because other than the airfare, big chunks of everything else are just comped. And we're going to get comps when we get there. It's really great that, for example, and let's tie, let's tie this right into what I want to talk about today. Let's tie this in with Atlantic City. I'll jump back to that in a second, or I'll try to. I'm, I'm rambling. Leading up to this trip, I had done roughly three weeks of gambling locally. And I had done fairly well. I had taken one tier three loss on the Meta Martingale. But we were pretty well funded from a snapshot of the month point of view as we went to Atlantic City. And for us, at our age and our willingness to drive longer distances, Atlantic City is a manageable drive, but it's not a drive we really want to do to just spend two nights, right? And those are often the comps, two, maybe three nights. And when you figure that your first day, your arrival day for your first comp night it's going to take you about eight hours, take us about eight hours of driving east from our home through multiple states to just arrive around four or five o'clock. That first day, it doesn't really count for us. That's a freshen up, do a little happy hour in the room, get some food, play a little bit, and then start the vacation or start the trip. And if you're then just doing two nights, if we are then just doing two nights and turning around the next day and starting the long drive back, it really doesn't work for us. But 
by doing casino combat. We get to live a casino lifestyle. And if you've been following along from the beginning, if you're at episode 118 with me, and this isn't your first episode, if you've listened all the way through, as so many of you do, and thank you again for those of you that have done that, and those of you certainly that have done that more than once, you've seen us build this out. You've seen us build the relationships from a Caesars brand-based relationship into these other brands, which means we can drive over and spend more than a week on the Jersey Shore and see our friends and hang out with them as their time allows and spend time with them. And that is very much living this casino lifestyle. So we planned this trip several months ago and we planned it around our promotions and what we have available. We were looking at the last week in July and the first week in August because our anniversary is August 1st. And so we were looking at those two blocks of time. And for the last week in July, Borgata wanted a small amount of money for one night if we went late in July. And Tropicana wanted a slightly larger amount of money for Saturday night the same week, but neither needed much money for either night and neither Neither brand wanted money for any of the other nights. Go forward one week, Borgata would only comp one night and wanted twice as much for nights two and three, and Tropicana wanted money for all three nights, including a lot of money on Saturday. So there was something going on that was pushing the prices up. There was a concert, there was an air show, there was something that was pushing up demand, So we followed our casino wisdoms, we planned around our promotions, and we set the travel schedule for the last week in July. And we let people know, and a number of members of the squad responded and came over to see us, which is just such a wonderful thing, such a wonderful development out of doing this Casino Combat podcast. So we get into town, kind of touch base with some people, and by invitation, we go over to Ocean casino fairly early and mrs trg and atlantic city empress spend some time in the pool at the pool i'm not sure if they went in the pool or not but they got to spend the day enjoying the pool which is beautiful by the way i got to take a brief tour of it with ece i'm sorry dr ece and uh, beautiful pool complex indoor outdoor pool complex really well set up i'll just i'm going to say it three or four times here probably but Ocean is a wonderful resort. They have a wonderful casino, wonderful rules, which we're going to talk about some wonderful amenities. It's a beautiful place. If Atlantic City was my almost all the time place to hang out and play, I would have a big relationship with Ocean without a doubt. It is really wonderful. And we are really grateful to uh, ECE and ACE for for being such wonderful hosts and, and showing us around every time we're there. So the ladies spent some time at the pool, spent some girl time at the pool, and Inner Circle member East Coast Emissary PhD and I spent some time in the lab. And by which, and by the lab, I mean ECE has found something very, very interesting. The electronic table games at Ocean have very low minimum wagers and very, very high maximum wager. So he and I went down to that lab and ran through some things he's been working on. He's been trying. These are exploitable games, folks. The reason that casinos set a a minimum and a maximum that limits you to about six, seven, at most eight wagers, if you just keep doubling, 
is to prevent people from using a proven strategy that will work, the Martingale. And they haven't, and Vegas learned years and years and years ago to protect, probably before Vegas, somebody learned with table maximums to protect their games against being exploited. Those same protections are not in place on the electronic games. If you had a large enough bankroll, you could just use simple Martingale principles and exploit them. That's not what we've been doing. Uh, ECE has been digging up old strategies from the Las Vegas Strip when the Las Vegas Strip had very low minimums, and he's seeing that they can be applied to exploit potentially, that's why I said we went into the lab, these uh, rather unprotected games at the casino he's in most often. So, sure time, time in the lab, Time to play some blackjack and then a great lunch in the VIP lounge at Ocean with the two of them. ACE has been really educating us about the Jersey Shore. She has very gently um, updated my vocabulary a little bit, told me how things are described in that part of the country. Uh, she made sure that Mrs. TRG had some magazines and some material to tell us what was going on and some updates there. They've just both been very, very welcoming. In addition to a great lunch, ECE and I had a great run at the blackjack tables after we kind of finished our lab time. We've played together several times on various visits, but we have never had much luck. We have gotten hit pretty early and then wrapped things up. And this visit, we both had a nice long winning session at the blackjack tables. I won something very close to a unicorn hand. Now, I consider a unicorn hand in blackjack a hand split four times and doubled four times. That's my unicorn hand. Something I've never seen anyone do. Something I've never played. I still have not. But I did have a pair of fours versus a dealer's five that got split three times and doubled three times. And fingers were crossed, toes were crossed, teeth were chattering. And I won all three of those hands. <laughs> really, really neat. Haven't had one of those uh, maybe ever. Maybe ever. I'm not sure I've ever had even a three, a three by three, if you will. So we had a nice run at the blackjack tables. We had a wonderful lunch, a wonderful day at Ocean all the way around. As I said, just a beautiful property. Picked up some free t-shirts. And once again, oh, hey, we've been to this casino three times. Sure. Thank you for the gift of a free t-shirt. Who doesn't like a free t-shirt? Uh, Dr. ECE even gifted me a copy of his player's card so I didn't have to pay for parking on the way out. And he had enough knowledge about that casino to know that neither one of us was going to get flagged as having broken the rules if we both used the same card to exit. And yes, Mitch, I cheated them out of $10. <laughs> we spent the evening gambling at Borgata, winning some money, and playing through some free slot play that they were generous enough to provide to us because we use their credit card. And that's very, very nice of them. We really appreciate it. And let's pause for a minute. End of day one. Casino lifestyle. Because we're good at gambling and at certain games, and we're good at the game, the bigger game of casino gambling. Comped room, high floor, wonderful view because that's one of those free perks that they give you if you have their tier three card with MGM. They upgraded us to the nicer room and the nicer view just because of the card we had. We went to Ocean. We met with friends. We had the full run of the place with them because of their tier status. We enjoyed a wonderful lunch in their VIP lounge and some wonderful drinks because of their 
tier status. We picked up some free shirts because of our tier status. We went back to our wonderful hotel room, comped, and had a great evening and had a great time and played free money because we used their credit card. Benefits, 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 comps, 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 comps. A casino lifestyle that I was going to say cost us virtually nothing. The reality is it didn't cost us anything, maybe some tips along the way. And we finished the day with more money than we started because we're pretty decent blackjack players. And even if we weren't, we spun all the free money through that they gave us for buying our groceries with their credit card. And we took all that free money because we'd used TRG slot strategy number one. Next day was a spa day for Mrs. TRG. And if you're saying, wow, it seems like she does spa days all the time, she does. And I am so happy to just proudly say she does. In fact, I was talking about that with uh, my Padawan recently. And I said, I just see those as a wonderful fit. She gets to enjoy something she really likes at the spa. Something that early in our marriage, she would have never dreamed of spending that amount of money. A day at the spa in the casino, getting massage at casino prices would have been the kind of thing early in our marriage that was an extravagance. That was a huge extravagance, perhaps something I gave her as a gift for Christmas or her birthday, but not something she really just kind of did because she felt like it when we were on a vacation. And the reason that I am so much a yes on this, the reason is I was explaining to my Padawan that I'm such a yes on this is that it does two things. The first thing is I go to work. I go down to the casino. I find a good table. I play TRG4, win more, keep more. I use TRG3, the Meta Martingale, as needed. And I often do the equivalent of two, three, four local casino visits in that time. Which is to say, I make more than she spends at the spa. And she has a wonderful time spending time in a way in a casino, living that casino lifestyle that she really likes and enjoys. And she charges it to our room, which creates tier credits, and free tax-free imaginary money that we can then spend in the casino. And then we pay for that bill, not with the money I won in the casino. No, we charge it to our MGM credit card, which gives us tier credits, reward credits, that's free tax-free imaginary money, and more free slot play, for spending money with their brand. So we are, admittedly, the equivalent of triple dipping on this. So we get a lot of value back into living the casino lifestyle the next time by living a casino lifestyle this time with money, but also by being focused, disciplined, aware of how to pay for that thing that we've decided to pay for, that we've decided to buy what money is going to be used and when to make that payment we had dinner at Infora the VIP lounge which is just it's just wonderful there's no other way to say it it is great ocean has a great VIP lounge Amphora has is a great VIP lounge at Borgata certainly from what we saw uh, heard Hard Rock has a great one too. We've not been there, but certainly from what we've saw post-pandemic, they are back fully operational the way I would expect them to be. 
and the Caesars Entertainment properties are, are kind of a step below. That's what we're seeing there. And then fun thing of fun things, we saw that they had a comedy show happening in their, their music box auditorium, and we went to the kiosk and we swiped our cards, and we didn't have any free tickets. And so I applied a casino wisdom. If you don't ask, you don't get. And so we went to the box office and I played stupid tourist on purpose. I was manipulative, Mitch. <laughs> I just did the old dude thing, right? Took my player's card, took my driver's license and said, hey, I'm sorry, I might be wrong on this, but... I think I might have gotten an email and I, I didn't print it. I didn't bring it with me and I'm so sorry, but I might have gotten something that said we could have tickets and I'm sorry I didn't bring it with me. And she kind of pulls my cards out and she goes, oh, oh yeah, you have a gold card. You don't need to worry about that, sweetie. That's fine. We don't need the mailer. Yeah, here you go. The The, the, the room opens at eight. The show starts at nine. Enjoy. So a wonderful comp comedy show. Comedians were really good this time. And notice that while we are living a casino lifestyle and while we are living in the casino, we are not spending all our time on the casino floor putting money at risk. I'm spending some time putting money at risk the same way I would at home. And maybe on a bit of an accelerated level because I got stuff to pay for and I got time. But I'm just putting time in the same way I would at home. Mrs. TRG is in the spa. We are enjoying the room for happy hour. We are going down to the VIP lounge and having a great meal and drinking some really nice scotch, if I'm being honest. We're playing a little cards because we've got a show to do. Then we're going to the show. Then coming out of the show, we're playing some more cards and then we're wrapping up our evening. It is not play, 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 play. That is not the kind of gamblers that we are. And the next day we checked out, did some touristy things at Cape May, which is a nearby community and checked into Resorts Casino for a comped evening. And Resorts is always mailing us all kinds of offers and offering us free rooms, and so we wanted to see what it was like to stay there. We were perfectly prepared to be unhappy with the room, which is why we only booked one night. Very happy with the room, very happy with our dinner at Margaritaville, very happy that they gave us a power bank, which is basically a brick that you charge and throw in your bag and then use to charge your other items if you don't have an outlet, something we will certainly use in our travels. And they gave us some free bets to use on the blackjack table. And let me provide just a little bit of perspective here. Let me pause a minute and highlight this. Let me provide some perspective Last year, we gambled at resorts on the Atlantic City Boardwalk one or two times. Nothing major. An hour or two of blackjack. We basically stopped down that way on that end of the boardwalk to enjoy their beach bar, enjoy their view of the ocean and the beach, have an appetizer, protect them from the seagulls. And in return for that, they were more than happy to have us stop in for a comped room. As I said, we took one night. They would have gladly given us a second night if we had asked for that. They were willing to give us a free gift, which we will use, and they were willing to give us bets in their casino. Little bit of gambling, couple of occasions, up to two nights of accommodations, a nice gift, and nice free money to play with. And this is how we are able, as I said at the start of this segment, to take these long vacations at a very low cost to us. 
We spent the evening at resorts at the blackjack tables, and after only a few hands, we met our African friend. He was actually from Africa. That's not just a pop culture reference. Insert casino chips here for those who have been around a while. Um, (laughs) And he told us directly, I am from Africa. I have played this game for 15 years. I have to get my money back. Okay, I'll pass on the whole 15 years as a meaningful credentials thing. Okay, not going to get into that with this gentleman. I wasn't impressed by 15 years, but hey, welcome to the table. And he only had a few chips. Weird, big stack of casino cards. Like a card must have been for every place on the boardwalk and just a tiny amount of chips. And I didn't think he was going to be around very long. I didn't think it was something I had to be concerned about. And then things started getting weird. He was really aggressive with the staff. In fact, while the pit boss was putting his information into the computer, something very similar to this happened. Could you check the VIP list? And do not look me in my eye. Don't look at me. You look at the pod, you read the names, and you look at me and you close your eyes. Look at me. Don't look at me. Look at me. That was a test. And then a few minutes, okay, not exactly like that, obviously, but very similar to that. He was very aggressive. He wanted things done a certain way, things that made no sense to me. And then a few minutes later, he loses a hand because he stands on a hard eight. He has like a six and a two, total of eight. The dealer has a nine and he stands. And the dealer who seems to know him says, you stood on eight when I had a nine. What did you expect? That's not what you're supposed to do. And the reply that comes back is, This is all your fault. You know, I do what I am supposed to do. And yet your incompetence furiates me. And look, I kind of laughed all this and he continued to get angry and he got angry with me. And I said, look, it's not a big deal. I'm just a tourist having a night out with my wife. And that... I thought I was going to deflect him, right? I thought I was going to diffuse the situation. I thought I was just going to say, hey, I'm just a tourist. Take it easy on me. But that did not slow him down. Not in the least. He hits me with, you are what I say you are. All right. <laughs> okay. Um, jokes and fun edits aside, at this point, a security guard comes over and says, we're friends. You can't act like this. I'm trying to help you. You need to calm down. They're going to make me kick you out. I don't want to do that. You can't keep doing this. And he did. He calmed down for a minute, long enough to say he was sorry, but you don't understand. My paycheck, my paycheck, it's $1,200. I lost a 1000 I can't pay my rent. I have to get my money back. I'm from Africa. I'm playing for 15 years. I have to get my money back. And I'm going to pause here. And I'm going to pause here and throw a lot of emphasis on this. This was like the 29th, 28th, 29th of July. He is saying, if I interpreted through the language barrier a little bit, if I interpreted it correctly, he had a paycheck of $1,200. He had lost 1000 The rent was going to be due, presumably on the 1st, and he can't pay his rent. 
He has to get his money back. He has about a hundred dollars and he has to get his money back. And that is the reason for a lot of this theatrics, I think. Actually, theatrics may just be his brand. I don't know. Maybe if I meet him and he's winning, 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 maybe a lot of this other stuff doesn't happen that's been going on. But now it's come into a bit of clarity. This guy is not listening to somebody like me. He is not, despite his 15 years of playing blackjack, he has not understood some of the basics, which, as I remind you each and every episode, is don't play with money you cannot afford to lose or that you need to pay your bills. He didn't know. He's acting a bit the fool and making everybody around him miserable because this guy is scared. He very literally has to get his money back. And the next was a bit of a crap fest. It really was a bit of a crap fest. He's yelling. He's screaming. He's touching the cards when he wants to split. He's winning a hand where he doubles his $50 bet with his last two green chips and he wins. And he, I am not exaggerating. I am not doing a bit. I am not doing a shtick here. He literally runs three, four, five tables down the hall through other guests walking down the aisle and throws himself on the floor. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And we're all winning, waiting. Sorry, not winning. We're all waiting. We are all just waiting for him to calm down enough to come back. And the security guy who's his friend who's going over and saying, you need to go back to the table. You need to collect your money. And he comes back and we go back through the whole, you don't understand. I need to get my money back. This is my money. I have to get my money. I'm from Africa. I've been playing blackjack 15 years. I've been playing blackjack. I have to get my money back. In this environment, we had really had enough. It's around 10 o'clock. Mrs. TRG says, I can't really deal with this anymore. And I said, I hear you. I just started my exit. I'm done when I lose these three chips. If I lose the next two bets, I'm done. And she says, okay, I'll do the same. Three chips lost and we are gone. We agree on that. And we played and put up with our African friend for another three hours. Around 1 a.m., we finally lost those chips and the chips that they had created in expanding our play stacks, as I had described to you earlier. And having put up with our African friend while more than tripling our original exit money amount, we decided it was time to leave. We had hit our condition. We had executed our three chip exits perfectly. And we were out. We have a rule. Mrs. TRG created it. I have always followed it because she is the radiant goddess of casino combat. You don't leave when you were winning. Even if you have to hear the same story from your African friend over and over and over again. Even if he is disrupting the game, running around the casino, throwing himself on the floor in convulsions, generally acting the fool. You keep playing until you finish your exit. And that was the exit I told you in the last segment that I was going to tell you about. And full credit to resorts. Despite the fact that what this gentleman was doing, the drinks were plentiful and arrived on a regular basis. In fact, so regularly, at one point, Mrs. TRG finishes her drink, and as she looks up, she sees that the waitress is handing her another drink. And after the waitress walked away, Mrs. TRG looks at me, she goes, did you program her? And I said, well, yeah, kind of. Isn't that part of my job description? To which she replied, how? A little worried and concerned. I said, oh, no, hon. it's easy. Large first tip and the statement, keep them coming as long as we are sitting here. Programming complete. 
Download finished. Waitresses know where to find the tips any given night. Not a problem. It was just fun to see her go, did you program her? Yeah. Yeah, I did. <laughs> um, the next day, Mrs. TRD, TRG did a beach day. She, and it was ironic because she sent me a picture and I realized that the beach umbrella she was using, the towel, the beach bag, and the water bottle she had taken to the beach were all casino gifts from various casinos. Things we had been given for gambling with them now put back in our life to help us enjoy our casino lifestyle. These were things we didn't have to buy at the beach or buy at all. These are things we just have that are useful for a beach vacation. When we left, oh, wait, I almost missed it. Wow, that's the problem with notes, not memories. So while Mrs. TRG was at the beach, I went next door to the Hard Rock. I took an approach that said we checked into resorts, into our comp room. We had a great dinner, which we charged to the room. We had a great uh, room service breakfast delivered, which we charged to the room. Mrs. TRG got ready to go to the beach. I got ready to spend the day in the casino. We took our bags up to the car. We locked them up. She went out to the beach with her free various casino beach gifts. And I walked down the boardwalk just a little bit to go to work at the Hard Rock so that Hard Rock will potentially start to send us some better things. And because the Hard Rock there has a reward system that is now just recently part of the reward system at the Hard Rock property, the Mirage in Las Vegas, and is part of the same reward system that we used when we were near Miami in Florida, near Fort Lauderdale, at their big guitar hotel there when we gambled there. So I'm starting to put together what will hopefully be offers from various Hard Rock properties. In fact, our Mirage offers are already great. We may use those coming up here in October. But once again, layers upon layers, lifestyle upon lifestyle. While Mrs. TRG is enjoying the beach, something that's not particularly my most favorite thing to do, although I do it from time to time, I went over, went to work, did the equivalent of three or four days at my local casino, won a nice block of cash, more than enough when the credit card bill shows up. See, there's that MGM credit card again. We used that to back our room at resorts. When we had dinner, we charged the dinner to our room. When we ordered room service, we charged the room service to our room. Those are not huge charges. These are not huge, fancy, expensive meals. But we charge all that to the room. I make the money at Hard Rock. The room charges go against the MGM card. When I get home, I pay the MGM card, and MGM gives us tier credits, free tax-free imaginary money, and free slot play the next time we're back at their property. We are layering together various casino techniques to make the next vacation possible without spending a lot of money. We checked into Tropicana. It's a property we absolutely enjoy every time we're there. We had been comped the first night, let me see, let me get that right. We had a small amount expected. We were mostly comped the first night, mostly but not as comped the second night, Saturday night, fully comped on Sunday night. 
in the Havana Tower, which is great. And as we're doing the check-in in the Diamond Line, which is the third tier line, once again, taking advantage of things that we can do, we shortened up our check-in because they have a special line for people with our card or higher that shortens up the check-in process. And as we're doing the check-in, she says, oh, I see you have you in the Havana Tower, King, non-smoking. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Okay, three nights. And I'm sorry, we you didn't book and we don't have an ocean view room. I'm sure the view of the pool will be fine, though. Or we can upgrade you to a medium suite, not just an executive suite, but we can upgrade you to a full two-room medium suite with ocean views in the North Tower for 50 bucks a night. Well, we immediately said yes. I mean, just rewind a few minutes. The money won at, at uh, Hard Rock, the money won at Resorts, the money won at, won at Borgata. We've actually stayed in this uh, room like this, not exactly the same room, but a room like this in the North Tower before. We absolutely love it. I know people will say, well, why? You're not in the room. Why? You don't need to do that. It's just go, go, go. Drink, drink, drink. Yeah, that's not how we do this. And I'm not talking down to people that only get to casino once a year or once every few years or every couple months and they just go and party and drink and 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 eat and gamble 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 cool you don't care about the room doesn't matter to you you're only there to sleep or pass out and get up and go again we actually do live in our room. We actually do hang out. I do a little work on the computer. We spend time together. We enjoy being able to sit there and, and have a glass of wine and a bourbon and enjoy the ocean. We don't have ocean where I live. We like to do that. We like to watch the sunset, right? We, we like to watch the sunrise. We like to watch all those things happen. Now we don't get up early enough to watch the sunrise. Don't let me kid you. <laughs> more than happy to pay a little bit because once again, Caesars is going to give us tier credits for that. And they're going to give us free tax-free imaginary money for that little bit of spend. And then MGM is going to do the same thing. And that's what I wanted to do in this segment is run through that. And I think I've done that now. We're happy to pay for a nice room upgrade. Mrs. TRG spent some time at the pool before joining, eventually joining me and uh, Nakatomi Tony, where we were hanging out. He was kind enough to drive in and spend some time with me, got to meet him in person, and it was absolutely as I expected it to be. It was absolutely, welcome to the party, pal. Like we've known each other a long time, I got to know him. I got to hear about his life on the shore. He lives just a short distance away. He actually went to school in Cape May at an elementary school right across the street from a winery that we went to. Got to hear about him, his life, his career, where he's at with things, how he likes to gamble. Hear about his kids. Just get to know him. Get to know a fellow squad mate as something other than a listener and a guy that talks into the air. Got to spend some time with him and show him a new bubble crap strategy that Dr. ECE has been working on, something that has the working title Ambush for us. And I'll tell you about that in the future. But got to hang out with him, got to do that. Wonderful to meet him. We went to the went down to Caesars for dinner. Three bets at Caesars when we got there. We ate a comped dinner at Gordon Ramsay's Pub and Grill gambled a bunch of those free bets before seeing their new show hook hook is very adult 
but very well done. A wonderful addition to the boardwalk, a wonderful addition to what Caesars Entertainment has to offer. So again, comped rooms, comped food, paid for the show tickets. That'll come back to us in points in some way. And the next day, we were expecting a visit from Equine Ensign, and I realized that I had foolishly somehow managed to hold on to some Borgata chips. And then in checking the app, if there's an app, you gotta get the app from their app realized they had given us from our play while we were there some additional free slot play and we're not going to be back there for a while so we went back to Borgata very quickly cashed in our chips spent a few minutes there and got our free slot play and then met up with equine ensign for an afternoon of drinks and appetizers and getting acquainted and getting to know him we just had a blast I mean in fact at one point he looked at his watch and went oh wow wow, we've been here a while, <laughs> and we had been, uh, he hang out, hung out a while while we played a little blackjack, and then he went back down to Caesars, where he was staying, and had a really successful run at the craps tables, wonderful once again to get to meet squad members when we're out and about, we finished the trip taking more of Tropicana's money before heading home the next day, the best part of this trip was undoubtedly not all the free stuff, the free stuff allowed the trip to happen the comps and promotions allowed the trip to happen but the best part of the trip was having squad mates to hang out with in atlantic city and getting to know listeners as friends learning about them learning about their lives learning something about what makes atlantic city atlantic city it makes atlantic city feel more like a place we live not like a place we vacation and that was really really cool It's also helpful that we have built our relationships with various brands so that everywhere we go, we have comps and gifts available. And I know many of you have been kind enough to listen to our podcast from the beginning. And if that's you, you've heard us build out the relationship with Atlantic City, slowly using our Caesars relationship to have a place to stay while we gambled and eventually earned comps at other places so we can spend, as I said at the beginning, long periods of time on the coast in a variety of ways. Part of living a casino lifestyle is having those comps and gifts available. We had a wonderful time and can't wait until September when we have two more chartered trips booked with Caesars, one to Tropicana and one to Caesars itself, and we look forward to seeing people again. So what are we doing next? What are we doing next? What are we doing next? Oh, I'm actually almost at the end, folks. The pile of paper's almost done. I got just a couple more notes. We are going to do results next from the Gambling for July 2023, and we are going to do that in the Virtual VIP Lounge. A little bit of the bubbly. Feedspot says this is the most must-listen-to casino podcast for 2023, and therefore this may be the most must-listen-to segment in casino podcasting, the Virtual VIP Lounge, and our Virtual VIP Lounge is open. We have the best virtual everything virtually all the time. Both chefs have properly calibrated measurement subroutines today. I am informed. We are all set in that regard. Thank you to a couple of squad mates who emailed to ask if we repainted the virtual kitchen last episode since we only had one virtual chef and he was not in or they were not in either the green or yellow kitchen. We did. We repainted for the last episode since we couldn't really have dueling chefs because we had the whole measurement subroutine thing that had to be recalibrated. And the wonderful thing about virtual VIP lounges is remodeling is very easy. We are back to our green and yellow kitchens this week. As always, 
while we have the best everything, that always includes the best sparkling and still water, the best locally handcrafted and artisanal sodas and pop, the best virtual snacks, the best virtual IPAs and craft beers, the best wines, anything you would like, we have it. If you can, press pause, pour yourself something, join me, have some sips as we go over the results for the month of July 2023. VIP lounges in real life are a wonderful place to spend time with friends old and new. We just had a great time doing that in real VIP lounges in Atlantic City. It is relatively early here. I am taking it relatively easy. I have an orange juice and a still water here. And I'm going to wrap this up, send it off to edit, and then get into the rest of my day. But please have some sips with me if you can. We're going to do results today. We are going to do results for the month. And we do this every at the end of every month to follow the core concepts of Casino Combat and represent gambling for the month, not the table or the day. I always say that I am not bragging. I am not boasting. I am not trying to impress you. If you think for one moment that what I have done is impressive, you really need to join the Inside MGM Tips and Tricks Facebook group. It is run by someone named El Gato Grande. There's a lot of useful information there. I've gathered a lot of knowledge from him and his group, but more importantly, you will see from the notes and posts there that what I'm doing is nothing in terms of what I get or what I put at risk. These are people that play 10, 15 times the amount of money I play a hand. The people in this group know every single high-end suite in every MGM property on the Strip. They know what it takes in average daily theoretical to get those rooms. They regularly gamble tens and tens of thousands of dollars. They get limos from the airport. They get private check-in. They get penthouse suites. They get sky suites. They get butlers. They know everyone by name. Everyone knows them. They will show you that this is nothing to brag about what I'm telling you. Absolutely nothing. And honestly, he's a good dude. He'll tell you his play is no big deal. That there are plenty of people that play way, way bigger than him and they get way, way better. There's always someone who's getting bigger comps than you. There's always someone who's getting smaller comps from you. As long as your comps are appropriate to what you're getting, that's fine. As long as what you're winning is appropriate to what you're putting at risk, that's fine. You do not need to try to chase what someone else is getting. You do not need to chase what I am getting. And what I try to do with these segments when we wrap up the month is let you see the winning and losing that happens, the comps and gifts that come from the winning and losing, and let you make your own choices about whether you should listen to some guy's voice on the internet whom many of you have never met. I'm telling you things that work for me or claiming they work for me. I ought to be willing to give you some representation of that and what that is. And I do that in what's called a day's pay. I have an amount of money I would like to make a day. An amount of money that quite frankly, as long as I can do it most days, means I don't have to go get a real job. Other than doing this, going to the casino, and taking care of my very important IT clients. So I take it and I divide anything won, lost, received, spent, all of that, and I break it down to a day's pay. And I give it to you in day's pay number. And that's what I'm going to do. 
if you are in a place that has a very high cost of living and you earn $5,000 a day, multiply my $1 a day number by 5,000. If you are someplace with a very low cost of living, $5, multiply my numbers by $5 and you will see what this money means as an impact to your life or as an impact to my life. The other thing I need to tell you is that technically... I have once again used my powers to change names and dates, in this case, dates, because technically this month didn't start till July 5th. I put the post-cruise results or the results from the last day of the cruise and some time at the Hard Rock into the previous month's results to kind of give the flow of the story. And I am once again giving you a month's results that's missing a couple days of wins, actually. If we were doing strictly a calendar, there are a couple more days of winning, but that's really just uh, playing around the edges, if you will. So let's dig into it. Let's look at the results for the month. Let me pull up the spreadsheet here and let's see what we have. Profit and loss from table games, and that would include video poker. There is a little bit of video poker in this. Profit and loss this month from table games, $29.55 rounded up. $29.55 in day's pay. That was a dramatic pause. Yes, it was. You can live a casino lifestyle if you gamble less than 29 days of the month and you make more than 29 days pay, you're probably okay living a casino lifestyle. I played 55 blackjack tables. That number actually seems a little low. It does. 45 of them were winning tables. 10 of them were losing tables. I won plenty of money playing blackjack. I won a lot of money playing blackjack this month. Craps. I played no tables. I played no craps tables this month. Just the nature of the beast. I did, however, play 20 bubble craps tables. 13 of them were winning tables. Seven of them were losing tables. This is working through some of the details of ECE's new system. I did take a loss of 73 cents on the $1 a day scale. Not happy about it. Honestly, a little surprised about it. The idea that I played 13 winning and seven losing tables and somehow don't have a cash profit, that was a little hard to believe. So I did dig into those numbers. I did pull those numbers up and I did look at them. And what I find is a couple of things. One, early in the month, I was playing around a little bit with exit points and exit numbers, positive exit amounts. So there was some experimentation here. This is a relatively new thing that I am learning and trying and doing and testing. So I guess first month of testing, not so good. Uh, first 20 tries, not so good. I also had a couple notes that said I made some mistakes. On at least two of the larger negative tables, I had a note saying that I had missed one of the techniques and that I should have had a small positive exit instead of a rather large negative exit. If you took those two mistakes out and replaced them with small wins, it basically comes down to break even for these 20 tries. So some of that's just the experimental nature of this whole thing. I did make seven sports bets, three of them winning, four of them losing, and I lost 16 cents on the dollar a day scale. And what we're dealing with there, everybody, is just 
lots of travel, lots of time not making sports bets quite as much as I'd like to. I really need to get back to that and get back to that experiment. It just kind of floated down the list as I've been doing other things. It's a very small unit size, as you can see. Even the bubble craps, right? 73 cents and 16 cents. 89 less than one day's pay lost on both experiments. One with not a lot of tries, one with a couple mistakes because they are experiments. That's not exactly ruining what was what was uh, one on the table side. Let's dig into slots. Our profit and loss from slots with cash, that is TRG Slot Strategy El Numero Dos from the Slot Tactics ebook, is $1.43 on the dollar a day scale. That is 21 winning machines. I'm sorry, that is 21 machines, not winning machines. That is 21 machines, 12 winning, 9 losing. Eh, it happened. I suspect a lot of it happened in Atlantic City. Um, we tend to do slots a little more when we're on vacation. That's okay. It drives a lot of other good things. Let's look at the free slot play part of this. Free slot play, $1.69 on the dollar a day scale. Let's look at money won from the free slot play, $1.93 rounding up. So once again, if you take the materials in Casino Combat Slot Tactics, and if you apply both of them, and if you play with your money for some things, and you play the free slot play you are given as the result of that play, and admittedly other things, very often we see happen in our lives what has happened once again this month. If you take $1.93 one and subtract $1.43 lost, we still have a small cash profit from playing slots. As a synergistic thing, well, I'm not going to sit here with now years of data and suggest that if you use my slot strategy, you will win cons money consistently with cash every month. I will observe that we consistently seem to make a profit on the two types of play taken together. That gives us a profit or loss from gambling of all types of $30.04. Just a little over 30 days pay for a month of gambling. We had expenses of $6.73, giving us a profit or loss after expenses of $23.31 if I round up. What were those expenses for the most part? Those expenses were not tipping the waitress for water at my local casino. These were not the uh, bourbon here or a bourbon there with Gabriel at my local casino. These are not the tips for the brunch at my local casino when it was comped. This is the hotel upgrade. This is the small parts they needed for the evenings that we spent. This is the tickets for the show. This is the meals that we ate that had to be paid for. These are several rounds of drinks that we really enjoyed with Equine Ensign. This is all the expenses of going on a vacation. We spent about six, almost seven days income to go on vacation, leaving us with a profit from gambling of $23.31 if I earned a dollar a day. Love it. Love it. Don't know what else I can say. My game was really on. Everything was kind of going my way. I had lots of, of successes. Got a lot of things where I wanted them to be. Certainly, 
certainly a far cry from a bad vacation in April. <laughs> certainly much better than that. As for the rest of it, you know, as I said, $23.31 profit and loss after expenses. We had comps of $8.68. We had no match bets. We had $1.30 in free bets. We had $1.03 in gifts. Take it all together. Roll it all into one big ball. Take all the money won, all the money lost, all the money spent, all the comps, gifts, and everything we received value into our lives for the month of $34.80. You know, sometimes I say, oh, well, that's a casino combat win because even though we lost a little money, we got it more back in comps and gifts. And that is a win. That is absolutely a casino combat win. And I'm very happy to take those if that's what we get. And if you've listened a while, you know that not every single result. As I said, just go back to April. Folks, if you're new and you're going, wow, he made the equivalent of a month's pay and paid for his vacation and he did all these cool things and he let his wife go to the spa. Not let. His wife got to go to the spa and spend money on that and they went to all these dinners and shows and you're thinking, wow, then please also go back and look at April. Listen to April's results, whatever that episode was, but look at those on the website there are months where we get beat up a bit and we get knocked around a little bit and what we've won and what we've spent is they don't match up. Take a look at December. My life was busy in December. The gambling didn't go super well and I didn't get to gamble as much as I usually do and we just barely squeaked out a win. So take it in its entirety. Our core concept is to win money over time. To win money a month at a time, not a table or a day. And to an extent, if, you, if you're doing this as much as I do, it becomes do it for the quarter, do it for the year, do it for those types of things. But this is a really nice outcome. This is a really solid month. There is nothing but plenty of things to be happy about here. Please tip your waitresses, tip your bartenders, tip your dealers. If you have a host, tip your host. Don't tip away your wins. I have spoken. Everything you heard here is true from a certain point of view. In 10 years, we might find out I was wrong about all of this. It's time for leaving, and I hope you understand I was born a rambling man. Love it, hate it, it don't matter. Please share with your family and friends. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for listening. Thank you again to the squad mates that took their time to join us in Atlantic City and hang around for the best part of the podcast. should probably play alone I know the house has that advantage but that's part of the thrill if we follow the core concepts the chips begin to spill so baby here's your player's card put your bankroll in your hand use just some of that money now do it just the way we planned just follow the core concepts and you could win several grand well it's good if it goes down like that don't have to play to lose it's gambling Casino Combat Blues Casino Combat Blues
Yeah. 